One in five American adults have experienced mental illness. On this episode, we will cover topics surrounding mental health and therapy. We are not trained medical professionals. We're simply three women talking about our own experiences. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or thoughts of harm to yourself or others, please reach out to a medical professional to seek immediate help, and please know that you are not alone and you are loved. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm doing good. Ish. Ish. I don't know. These last few weeks have been wild yeah. and crazy, kids. Yeah. I've gone through all the range of emotions, and I just I want to give a huge shout out to my partner this week because I was like a big rage ball lately, and there were moments where I looked at him and I was like, I love you and who you are, and you're a great feminist. But I look at your stupid male face, and I just can't stand it. And he is so gracious. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So very, very grateful for everyone letting me have my feelings. Which is great. Same. Yeah. I feel like the emotions of our government aren't going to go away for a long time. No. So maybe, maybe our intro question is no longer what could have been an email. Maybe it's like what shouldn't be an email because it should be a protest and we should fix everything. Like, where do you buy your matches and how do we bring it down? (laughs) Where do you get your boards, your whiteboards and markers to do things? Okay, that's very environmentally friendly. We need to like zen out. Do you have anything that could have been an email this week though? Because I feel like it's still such a good question. I I love it because many things on like what, what actually could have been an email and then the theme of like, what was so efficient and could have been done better because we're doing things in stupid ways. But my example this week should have been an email. We use Slack at work, which I love. People have a love-hate with Slack. I I know. I know. And I'm like- I'm a lover. I'm in the strong love camp. (laughs) Yesterday, I came right in and made a ladies channel because I was like, I need to turn some positive energy. And we went from like 19 women and we have like 56 in like a couple of hours. Yeah, And it was like, yes. But- People had conversations and I asked a question of like, hey, can I understand how this process works? Because I have people asking across the organization what to do with X, Y, and Z. And I saw my least favorite phrase of all time, which is, let's just take this offline. (laughs) And I wanted to like shoot daggers through my own eye. And then the person proceeded to, I was like, That's totally cool. I get it. Some things are better to have a convo. Sure. So I was like, hey, once you're done with that convo, can you just circle back around to this little chat and just circle back with me and just chat to this group? It's a bunch of people on the thing who help in this process. And I said, can you just circle back and let us know? And she never did. And it was kind of like a need to know basis. And now... The email's coming back to me with many decisions already made. Mm. And I was like, I'm sorry. I have to take a really deep breath because I feel like in email, you could document this stuff. And I don't know, like disseminate it so everybody can do a better job at their job. Correct. Instead of, let's just put a pin in it and take this offline. (laughs) I want to shout out like that corporate millennials Instagram account. I don't know if you follow. I feel like we need a lot like a Rolodex. Oh, yeah. Nicole is jotting it down I for am. the listeners at home. Oh, it's hysterical. It is like I'm so, so ready for so it. good. And it's 
a lot of them are just like memes of every ridiculous corporate saying, which definitely includes like, let's take this offline, circle back. Let's touch base. Let's touch base. I can't think of any others, but it's very funny. Mine is the opposite. Tell me. Of something that has been an email that I'm kind of like, this should not be an email. We should meet and have a have lot a of call. details yes. and have a phone call. This is a very large campaign that I'm launching for a retailer where they said, hey, can you just like do it in two weeks? <laughs> Soup to nuts with like six different digital marketing channels and a, a lot of money. And we pushed back. We said, you know, we really can't. It's like July 4th. Like, right. come on. And then whatever. I guess we couldn't do it over a phone call or really talk through it. So everything was done over email. There's somehow assigned SOW a day late, which means we should launch a day late. But the lead said, no, please, can't we just launch on the same day? So I am now spending all of my trying days <laughs> organizing a bunch of information over email. It's just a good example of yeah. knowing what should be an email exactly. or not. Like, it's definitely it's maybe not a learning curve. Yes. Right. Yes. So, dear God, let's have a conversation with, like, enough lead time, maybe, so that people can yep. do their jobs, to it, your point. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, help me, help you, help me. Help me. Please help Who me. else can help me? We need the... You know what we need, Nicole? We need the power of self-care. We need the power we of self-care. I need to help me. <laughs> so, on today's episode, we're actually talking about the power of real self-care in the form of therapy. So we have a wonderful guest with us today who's ready to join our conversation around the popular phenomenon of burnout, self-realizations, and joining us in sharing some tools to help make space for the seasons in life and how that translates in the workplace. Alex, can you introduce us to Danielle? I would love nothing more. So Danielle was my first friend when I moved to Madison at work. And we talk constantly about how wild it is that it's been five years since that day. But I strolled into work at our previous employer and Danielle was on my team and like an amazing person at her job amazing personal boundaries, I would say, which I would love to hear more on later, and just all around sweet goodness. So, Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. No way it's been five years. It's been five years. That's wild. Is it July? In oh, just May. about. In May. It was five years. Wow. Mm-hmm. When That's you're having fun. Absolutely unbelievable. Who are you? Tell us about yourself. I feel like a different person from who I was five years ago. I am a different person. I mean, honestly, thank goodness, right? Growth. Well, thanks for having me. My name's Danielle. I am a marketing professional. I like to say I'm a recovering journalist because that was <laughs> that was my first professional foray. And you know, I'm super grateful for that time. But I've been on the dark side, as they say, in marketing for the last couple of years, feeling really fixed. My husband and I live local here in Madison. Two cats, no kids. Not that that's a personality trait, but I'm just putting it out there. I've bopped around a lot in my early professional life. Born and raised in Missouri. That took me to Indiana to all, kind of all throughout Wisconsin and feel like I'm pretty landed and pretty rooted, which is nice. And Yay. I think it's maybe given me a little bit more of an interesting experience in my early career. So I'm super grateful for that, but also just super grateful not to be moving anymore. Yes. Preach. I love buying a house and not oh moving my gosh. every year. It's also like building a house. So stressful. Yeah. We did that right at the start of the pandemic before Oof. COVID was even like a word in our vocabulary. I'm super glad it's done now. Yeah. But 
It's scary. Like big adult step. Adulting stuff. It takes a toll. Yeah. I mean, speaking of stress, that's like a pretty stressful situation. I mean, there was there was like a like a week period, I would say, during that time where our builder called us and they're like, so we don't really know what we're going to be able to do. We had had a closing date set and they were like, well, with COVID, we don't know if the city's going to keep doing building permits. We'll keep you posted. Like, so there, was, really? there was just a few days that we were like, what? <laughs> we're going to do? We didn't renew a lease. Like, we've got these cats. We've got all of our stuff. Like, what are we doing here? What are the going to do? Like, I'll, I'll live in the car, but like, what about the cats? And <laughs> it was totally fine. It was completely fine. We closed, like, per the schedule. But I was like, where are the adults? Like, oh, I don't want to be held responsible for any of this. Oh, where God. are the adults? Where are they? They're not here. Yeah. They're not here. So, I mean, jumping on to the realization that we're the adults now, which That's is scary, really disappointing. Sometimes I look at my own children and I'm like, they're not mine. I'm too young. I know. And then I'm like, oh, I'm responsible for them. <laughs> they're wonderful. But, you know, being an adult means that you embark on this professional career, right? And speaking of COVID, that really brought a lot of things to light about just work in general, work-life balance. What does that even mean? Remote so kind of working. Exactly. So can you kind of talk to us about like, what is the first or most recent time that you've experienced a heightened level of stress at work? Because when we talked, like this was a topic that we all felt super strongly about and you had a really interesting experience with it. Totally. I think to really appreciate the most recent time that I felt this heightened emotion at work, really helpful to talk about the first time that I experienced a heightened emotion at work. I was maybe six months out of college in my first big kid job, living far away from home. And I, you know, really wanted to hit the ground running and make a good impression. And and I took the work seriously. And I think there's this phrase that people use, I cry because I care. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to weaponize myself crying. It just, it happens. Anytime I'm over like a seven on the emotional scale, it's coming out as tears. I love that so much. It's just me. I've always been this way and, and I'm not apologetic for it now. But at the time I was, I was still trying to wrestle with that as being a emotional person, but also a professional and someone who wanted to be taken seriously. So I was at work and I cried. It was just kind of the wrong day for me. Things weren't really going great. It wasn't any sort of negative feedback or anything. It was just kind of everything compounded and it came out as tears. And my boss at the time, it was very clear to me that he didn't know how to handle that. Mm. And I was really made to feel like this is not an okay thing to do. Ugh. Crying at work is not like if, if you need to have emotions at work, you need to go in the other room and like deal with that yourself and come back. And I felt very ashamed of that. Yeah. And ever since then was like, okay, like that's crying at work, capital B, bad. It's not okay. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Fast forward to last summer. I've been working from home for my current company longer than I had been working for the company in person, which was a very jarring realization. And I was having a weekly one-on-one -on -one with my boss. And again, it wasn't any sort of getting negative feedback or a difficult conversation. There were just a lot of balls in the air, things that I was juggling and and I was feeling the stress of all of that it, and stress can be a good thing but again I was above a seven on that emotional scale and during this weekly one-on-one -on, -one on teams I just started crying and I knew when I started I was like I am powerless to stop this I'm not going to try to stop crying because it's going to come out even worse we're just going to ride the wave and let it happen and I said to her and I'm so glad I did I'm not sorry for crying 
I am sorry for this, but I'm not sorry for crying. And she turned her camera on. She made space for my emotions. And it was such a transformative conversation because with that, she said, well, first of all, I never want you to apologize for crying. I am here for you. I'm glad that you felt trustworthy of me and that you could show that emotion with me. That means a lot to me. And, you know, we as women, I think, are conditioned to not cry at work and be told it's not okay to cry at work. And, you know, there's a lot of strength in showing your emotion and being vulnerable with other people. You should never apologize for that. And about a week later, I got a package from Amazon on my door. And I was like, I mean, I order a lot from Amazon <laughs> and Target.com. Same, same, same. Let me just tell you. And I was like, mm, I didn't order this. I, for once, don't have an Amazon package coming my way. And she had sent me a copy of Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, who, if anyone doesn't know who Brene Brown who's listening, she's this wonderful author, speaker, amazing TED Talks, all about the power of vulnerability. And in reading that, really learning the difference of emotional dumping on people versus being vulnerable, being your whole self and finding the strength in, in showing your true emotions and being your whole self unapologetically. I, I think that resonates so much with people. I love the phrase, I cry because I care. The first time I cried in front of a, well, the first time I cried, it was like from pure exhaustion, but like in front of a boss, I realized I was tearing up and it was a woman so I felt comfortable to say, Brenda, I really need you to know that I'm crying because I'm angry <laughs> and I don't want this to steal from my point how mad I am. And it was just like this weird, I've never cried because I'm so angry. Right. Shame on that person to tell you you can't cry at work because I think it does. It insinuates that we shouldn't be emotional at work unless, Alex, you're just... No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a hard ass and I never cry. <laughs> no effing way. Danielle and I are very similar. And We're I mean, same class. I, yeah, I'm the tears typically flow. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I've I had a lot of experience with maybe male bosses that maybe wouldn't have said that or like I I don't know, maybe then I, I wasn't as emotional as I feel like I am now. But I was thinking back at when was the first time I I cried at work or anything like that and it was actually I don't know if Nicole knows this I mean she was reviewing my resume today so maybe she now knows but I worked in IT for like three years and I was a marketing liaison to IT and working on a lot of digital products and bless his soul he knows he's a wild one if he were listening he knows exactly who he is but he was like a musician with experience in AI very early on who was like I'm going to somehow get this job as a CTO of this very big deal grocery chain in the New York City area. And he was like <laughs> kind of psychotic. The workload, the the style of communication, big personality, very loud. And I remember one time I didn't do it like in front of everyone, but I went to the bathroom and I was just like, oh, my God, I, I feel like my response was more so. Why is this impacting me so much? I feel like from that moment, I really learned that. I know I've always just been this really hard worker and just wanted to always give everything my all. And so to feel like I was failing in any way, that I wasn't delivering to what I was meant to deliver or anything like that. But it happened again more recently where I just got so worked up and it was more stress related than it was about someone I was having an experience with. And I think it was one of the first times where similarly, it was something that came up out of nowhere. And I mean, I wasn't on a call 
So nobody saw me except poor Brett because I came out of the room and I was like, I just don't understand. This anger is going to come out and I think yeah. it's crying yep. and I and it makes no sense. It's like a total mind fuck. Yeah. yeah. So it's tough. Well, and I think then you get to the realization, okay, maybe I need to deal with this yeah. at some point, which is, is kind of the interesting thing. So lately I had a similar, maybe similar scenario. So cried to my boss, right? And every time I realize or think that my daughter is overly dramatic, I need just look in the mirror. Um, learned behavior. It's just, it's very the same behavior. cloth. Things at work were so stressful. I was told that I was going to have to lay off a couple people, which per a previous episode definitely really affected me, right? Even though I knew it was the right decision, we had made a, a strategic movement. It was nothing about the people, but that kind of made it worse. And so that was stressful. COVID was really ramping up. So like daycare was closing every fucking week. And I was like, I'm paying more to have my kids home than I am at daycare and I'm trying to work. And it's so stressful. Then there was a school board meeting where we discussed a sexual assault incident with a child and Oof. it like very much affected me. And so I met with my boss and I just started sobbing and I was like, I'm so tired. And she was like, is it just work? What is it? And I was like, it's everything. <laughs> I told her about the school board thing and she was like, yeah, that's something you kind of can't prepare for. And so I was like, I need to go. I need to take days off, right? And so she was like, okay, but I don't want you putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole, right? Oh, my like, God, wow. She, I've never heard that, preferred. and I love that it's, very much. It's amazing. I hope we get to talk to her soon. But she <laughs> was like, why don't you, in a week, next week, take a couple of days. Take, like, three days. Yeah. Don't just take today off. You know, go take three days next week. So I rented a cabin in the middle of the Wisconsin woods <laughs> by myself. My mother uh, thought I was going sure. to off I mean, right? Like going like, somewhere alone to the middle right. of nowhere. Because I'm also an extreme extrovert, which I think, Danielle, we've talked about those differences. Oh, yeah. And so I took a bunch of books with me. I took a cooler filled of adult Lunchables, a.k.a. charcuterie. <laughs> and <laughs> I love a charcuterie. And a bunch of wine and coffee and just went and like... Brought my yoga mat, did yoga, stayed in bed and just watched shows all day and then did some reflective reading. And one of the books I read was called uh, Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And it's written by these two sisters, Amelia and Emily Nagoski. And it explains the physiological process of breaking the stress cycle. I would highly, highly recommend it. A lot like the Brene Brown book, which I've heard really good things about. And it it talks about this idea, like not to give too much away, but our stress cycles are built for building up adrenaline when we're stressed. So they use the concept of you're being chased by a lion. Mm -hmm. And so your body pumps and does all these things to react to essentially fuel your body to run away from the lion. Yep. So you run away from the lion and you either get eaten, so sad, right. or you escape right. and you're safe. And your body visually looks at the lion and sees that you're safe. And then stops and unlocks all of those stress cycles. So when we have these huge burdens of stress in modern day society and we don't have such a visual connection to like stop the threat is gone, you're constantly keeping yourself in a state of stress. And so it was like self-care is not fucking bubble baths. It is really looking at what for you will break the cycle 
of stress and allow you to reset. And they talked about physical activity, all of these amazing things. Meditation is a huge one. And so for me, I needed to remove myself from my family and my children and everybody and go read a bunch. And my boss also sent me another book that I read, which was amazing to just know somebody cares about you. Yeah, to, to send you a book. But that's yeah. that's a huge deal to recognize that it is in this moment that I, there's the lion and my brain is just like lion, death, run, something. Right. And it's not the first lion. Every day it's another lion. Exactly. That is fascinating. I'm learning more from this podcast and everyone we talked to and the books mentioned on here than I knew before. But what was that moment for you, Danielle? Oh, gosh. If there was like a moment. I think it compounded. And I, I would say before I dive into that, Nicole, I'm so glad that you had a support system in your family and in your boss. Oh, yeah. Who could recognize that and advocated for you. Like you need to just physically remove yourself from that situation. But also how helpful it is just to have that change of scenery, forcing yourself to get off the grid because totally. it's so true. People are not meant to be in this homeostasis of just constant stress. And I think you know, for me, I'm an N of one, but I think a, probably a lot of people would agree. Like in the last two years, we've all experienced just collective trauma after yes. collective trauma. And the world is just like going up in flames. And I still have to, you know, make sure my laundry is getting done and right. and do the job that I was hired to do that I love to do. And it can be really hard sometimes to focus on all of these things and your adult life and doing it from home. Because I also think people are not meant to be this isolated for this long and intuiting emotions over teams. Yeah. Like, you're not meant to be disconnected like that. Mm -hmm. It was it was for me very hard. So I say that to say it was it all compounded. The thing that I think was a big signal to me, that conversation with my boss where I cried was a first indicator. That was in the summer. And then through the fall, when it was very clear that we were still going to be staying home and not going anywhere, it just was this dark path for me. I was kind of disassociating from things that I normally found a lot of joy in. I would just, I just felt like a robot. And it wasn't a crystallizing moment. It was when I had this just light bulb moment. I was laying in bed one night and I was like, you know what? My outsides don't really match my insides right now. And this sucks. And it was even there, just kind of this thought spiral of, I'm feeling isolated. I'm feeling super anxious. I think maybe I've always had a, a healthy dose of anxiety mm -hmm, yeah. and maybe didn't want to admit that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do think maybe I need to talk to someone that might be helpful. But then also on the outside, it would seem like things are great for me. I show up to work and I'm, I think, a pretty positive person to be around. People have good interactions with me and vice versa. And I have this happy marriage. But I mean, everyone, you know, everyone, ha it's, it's still work, you know, mm -hmm. and all of this was just wrapped up in a lot of guilt. Like, who am I to feel all these negative feelings when I don't really have a lot of things to complain about? Which, talk about things that women consistently oh my gosh. feel yeah. all the time is, like, not even... We, like, feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah. Right. What is... I can't with that. It's I'm, so much emotional it's burden. So it's a lot. It's ridiculous. It's a lot. And, and really, I was just unhappy, ultimately, with how those feelings for me how much I was internalizing it and trying to put on a happy face and a, and a quote brave face yeah that was really really affecting my relationships with my parents with my husband I didn't feel like I was the best version of myself at all so how could I be the best version of myself or anyone else my husband Jordan would probably cringe if he heard me sharing this but I'll share it sorry Jordan sorry Jordan I love you so much so much so that I am going to throw myself under the bus here <laughs> 
there was a moment back in October, so right before I started seeing a healthcare professional. I'm vegetarian, and we had ordered Pizza Hut, I think, the night before. Yeah. And he got boneless chicken wings. We had also, a couple of days before that, made in the air fryer fake chicken, like popcorn chicken. Mm -hmm. They got put in a Pyrex container. They did not get labeled. I was not the one who did that. Not that it matters. <laughs> but he and I have different ways of working in the house. Yeah. And uh, he put them away. God love him. And the next day I go downstairs to eat lunch. And I take a piece of chicken out of the thing and I bite into it. And I was like, oh, that's, that's really good. And then I take a couple more bites and I was like, Oh, no, that's that's chicken chicken. That's real. That's real. I've been vegetarian over half my life. So this to me was was upsetting. And like things have happened. I've had pizza before that accidentally like a rogue piece of pepperoni mm -hmm. got on it. It's not the end of the world. But I was like, oh, no, this was completely avoidable. I, I spat it out. I texted him, which number one, you want to talk about some things that should or shouldn't be a text or an email. I should have just gone upstairs and been like, hey, he was upstairs. Please, yeah, we were in still both. Oh yeah, we were. Oh, we were there's both some rage in that this decision like of like noon on a Wednesday. <gasps> this was like noon on a Wednesday. Oh Jordan, I was working in one spare room. He was working in the other before he got his new yeah. job, and I was downstairs at the kitchen island. And I texted him, and I was like, "In the future, can you please make sure?" Or I think I said, "Like, can you please ensure that you label the food?" Thanks. Period. Which is not my general style of texting. Yeah. That's not my linguistic style. <laughs> he was like, "Okay, I'm so sorry." noted that's all that needed to be said right no additional harm was done it was like a scab that i couldn't quit picking at mm. and through the day i was thinking about it and just making myself more mad and more mad and more mad and more mad so i'm making dinner a couple hours pass and i am at this point where i just want to rage i'm just Gotta i can let it out. physically feel the anger yeah and i'm saying to him i just can't believe this i just won't let it go i'm it i should have stopped I don't know what came over me, but I opened up the freezer drawer to get the bag of frozen popcorn chicken, opened that zippy bag up, pulled one out and said, does this look different to you? Or said something snarky. I don't remember. Yeah. And I wound my arm up and I just threw that thing across the room. Threw it across the room. Wow. I did. And he looked at me like I was lost. <laughs> Understandably I mean, so. I mean... And as soon as I did it, and like, you know what? Not even as soon as I did it. When I was in the act of getting the chicken out, I was like, just, Danielle, don't, don't do this. Yeah. Just, just stop. Have a calm body. Like, what, what is this going to solve? But I just, I was like, oh, I got to let it out. And I threw it. And as soon as I did it, I felt like the worst partner alive. And he looks at me and he's like, what, what are you doing? And immediately I just start crying. I was like, I'm so sorry. And he starts going upstairs. I was like, where are you going? And he's like. Not down here if Not I'm going to get food thrown at me. Chicken thrown at me. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Can we talk about it? And we did. And I was like, you would never treat a friend this way. I would never treat a friend this way. I would never treat a coworker that way. Why do I think it's okay to treat my spouse that way? And the things that I was thinking and saying to myself also are never things that I would say to a friend. Yes. Yes. So I can see there are a lot of things happening for you, me. This isn't normal. I do not want to continue down this path. Let's let's do something about yeah. it. So you went to therapy. So I started seeing a therapist. What a trigger. That is wild. Isn't Danielle. that isn't that just but it really resonates when you're in the thick of it, you cannot process your emotions. And you so don't see like, it. 
when you, when you're talking about what is kind of like I like to think about what surprised me about therapy because I also ended up going to therapy. I was like, this is so great. I'm so self-realized. And so I came home. I was like, gosh, call me. But uh, I have just reached enlightenment. I am wonderful. My daughter was giving us a run for our money. And I said, you know, my husband was like, I think I'm getting a little snippy with her. And I said, yeah, I think you should go see somebody, you know, to process like there's family providers, right? And he was like, yeah, you should go too. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? What do you mean I should go? And there wasn't a stigma because I've been to therapy at many points in my life. Um, But I was more shocked and I went. It was such a good check-in of like, what are your emotional blind spots? Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of, you know, we went through kind of all or nothing thinking, those phrases that you tell yourself, I'm very guilty of saying, I should be, like, I should be a better mom. Don't I should yourself. be speaking to my daughter in Spanish more and teaching her. I should be, you know, all of this stuff. But it, it helped me fall in love with mindfulness again. Yes. And I do a guided meditation. I try and do one every day because it feels, I was talking to somebody about this last week, it feels like a superpower to be able to pause in the moment and be like, why am I feeling this way? Like recently we were at my sister-in-law's graduation from law school and I was like, good for you. This is wonderful. And then I realized like I was feeling jealous. And I was like, why are you feeling jealous? And then I realized it was because they were talking about all these extracurriculars these people had time to do. And I was like, you don't have kids yet. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, my God. And then I got to process through of like, okay, if you didn't have kids, you'd have all this free time. You'd really miss your kids. And pausing to think about the joy that they bring me and then kind of going full circle. That's okay to feel that way sometimes. Totally. And just a shout out, there's this app that I use called the Shine app. It's a meditation app created by two women of diverse backgrounds, and they didn't see themselves in the mindfulness space. So they started their own company, and they have categories for like Latinx, Black, Asian, Pacific, LGBTQ+, and 90% of all their meditations are voiced by Black women, and it's highly focused on intersectional female health. So I highly recommend doing that because it's a good way to like yourself i need to check that out i love meditation but i haven't heard of this app so i'm gonna try i've tried it's headspace like that I've was heard headspace that was my gateway really and then i i i'm a peloton member so they have meditation yes. and i i do that anti-d 77 for anyone out there that's so much that's okay. the most peloton thing madison boss b is that you boss like boss bitch yeah oh my god you Hel- guys i've been toting this for a while i think Wait, it's iconic who's who's your favorite meditation Oh, uh, Nicole, that's like asking me my favorite ice cream. I know. Probably Anna Greenberg. Oh, she's good. I like a DT and Ross Rayburn. A I DT do show like, Ross's voice. Ross puts me to mm. bed. It's fine. All Sorry. I know about Peloton, I don't have one, is that I really want to just do a workout with that fabulous Cody? Uh, fit Cody. Yes. Cody's so Cody's a like, I just want really him good. to just like... He's hilarious. He told me to pump let it out, up. pump me up. But it's he a good workout out. still. I'm like, every time I take a Cody class, I'm like, I'm here to just like laugh. And it's been a long Have day. Fun. I just need like a 30 minute escape and like workout is secondary. And then I'm huffing and puffing and he's huffing and puffing and he, he'll he be on the bike and he's like, damn, y'all, this really sucks right now. 
And I'm like, okay, yeah, like this is There's still no like hard. There's no sugarcoating. Not yeah. a none whatsoever. But then, but then it also whatsoever. seems like he'll be like, but go dance your hoe out this weekend, like after this. Uh, oh, he's hilarious. Which is 100%. so funny. He's hilarious. But I think I fall asleep to Anna Greenberg's voice every single night. That's wow. I did a 20 minute last night, and I fully did not see the end of it. Like my my phone was just probably on my husband's pillow. I am taking <laughs> all the notes right now. Because I, I truly, this is the second time I've said this. I feel like I keep saying it. This podcast has been like this therapy for me. Like, I feel like every single conversation we've had in the weeks leading up to our like intake intro call with our guests, like, it's like, holy shit. Sometimes it might not be this one moment in time or this big moment filled with rage or emotion, but that you just hear that someone else is going through the same thing that you're processing in your head. And I feel like, you know, we talked about it a little bit on the layoff episode. You know, we all grow up differently and we all kind of suppress or repress feelings or ways of being for our whole lives. And then, you know, similarly to Danielle, you move to a new place and now you're buying a house and now you're an adult and now you're in like your 30s. And you're like, wait, there's so much more even just outside of work. It's relationships. It's how to be a good partner. I cannot even imagine how to throw kids in the mix like poor Luna, puppet dog. It takes up enough of my stress and time right now. I'm like, we're going away for the weekend. And I'm like, what are all the things we have to bring for Luna? I cannot imagine actual humans. So I think this has all been incredibly helpful. And I love the ideas, especially around apps. I am one of those that can definitely not quiet the mind easily. And so I love the idea of starting with an app or starting with something that guides you. Because in those moments, it's like, well, shit, I'm either going to throw a piece of chicken at this man or, or I don't know, or I'm going to like run away or I'm going to, I need to like find a Zen moment. So of course we want to do a little fact checking throughout yes. this conversation because as we like to say, and as coach Nicole told us a few episodes ago, I mean, yes, we're all, we've all worked hard to be here and we deserve to be where we are, but we're also very privileged to have the resources that we have and to be able to sit here and have this conversation. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're representing the realities of of mental health in America. And yes, there's great apps, but like, does everyone, I'm making this up, have like a smartphone that you can have that app on or the time to like not be at a part-time job and like listen to the app. So much so that among the 26.3 million U.S. adults who received mental health services in 2020, 17.7 million. Can we do a quick percentage on that? It's more than 50%. It's more than 50%. More than 50% of them experienced delays or cancellations in appointments. 7.3 million experienced delays in getting prescriptions. And almost 5 million were unable to access needed care altogether. So again, as we think about these apps or these free services or things that you could potentially get through an employer, you know, how does any of that make any of this a little more accessible to more people? Right. And, And talking about smartphones, with that also goes internet and access to connectivity because we think, oh, this is great. COVID brought about this change in digital providers. But then we look at, for example, 25 million rural Americans live in mental health professional shortage areas where there are too few providers to meet the demand. So we think, oh, okay, well, let's look at maybe more digital providers. But those people, those same people, are twice as likely to lack broadband internet, limiting access to telehealth, which feels like kind of a double-edged sword there. Even for myself, I acknowledge, like, having access to a healthcare professional and 
in whatever type of healthcare you need, but especially with mental health, like that is a privilege. It is a huge privilege. Absolutely. And I am so grateful that I'm able to to have a health plan that covers some of that and then be able to cover anything out of pocket that I need because it has been such a transformative experience for me. And I know that's not the case for everybody. I think you bring up a really great point and it talks to socioeconomic disparities. Totally. Right. Danielle, you and I both work in the healthcare space, mm -hmm. right? There is such an exclusion, especially for communities of color, from health, educational, and social and economic resources. Black adults living below the poverty line are more than twice as likely to report serious psychological distress than those with more financial security. So it's not only, same goes for the LGBTQ community. It's not even the question of access. It's the question of all the other things going on in your world make you disproportionately more likely to need those very things that you don't have access to, which can feel very frustrating and is something that's important to call out that like, it's not just like, oh, acknowledge it and then go get care. It's like, acknowledge it and also, hopefully, the systems around you support you having access to that care. And help people, too. Like, I had so many friends and, and some family members who really advocated for me to see a professional. Mm -hmm. And I feel like now it's, it's such an honor to be able to advocate for other people. So how do, you, how do you do that at work? I think that's the last thing we want to talk about is, like, again, going back to the mm -hmm. very first part of this discussion, we've said... There are people who are uncomfortable with emotions at work, which I want to be like, it's 2022, get mm -hmm. over it. But like, how do you do that? Both of you, how do you advocate and help acknowledge? Alex, I think you do that with like, I've seen you do it with working parents who are your peers. Mm -hmm. How do you ladies find the moment to help support other women and men in the workplace that might be struggling or need that kind of support? I think just being the first person to be be vulnerable, one of the things that Brene Brown talks about in Daring Greatly is, you know, being vulnerable is a signal to other people that by me being my whole self, I'm wanting you to show up as your whole self too. I am not ashamed of seeing a therapist. I also recognize I am not a doctor. I'm in no way qualified to, you know, make a diagnosis or, or help anyone in that way, but if me sharing a little bit of my story, story or just saying, I see a therapist, to me, that's no different than saying, oh, yeah, I go to the dentist twice a year. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. Our minds are very powerful, and mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed at all to, like, need help to navigate it sometimes. And, you know, I, I think it's it can be in small ways. It doesn't have to be these very big ways. Just by saying, hey, I'm, I'm unavailable from 9 to 10 on Fridays because I have a therapist appointment. I love that. Just like normalizing it in a, yeah. in a very, it just is like what you would it say, is. I have a doctor's appointment. It yeah, is what right? it is. Yep. Yeah. I don't need to hide it. And then also being, being that I, I, with my therapist, I use this metaphor called kind of like the vessel or the museum for someone else's emotions. Mm. If there's a member of our team or a friend at work who I can tell is going through a moment, I can then show up and be like, hey, I'm, I, I have space for your emotions. If you need someone to talk to, if you don't want someone to talk to, just know I'm here. Being able to be that museum for their emotions if they need it. Yeah. 
is something that I've needed so many times and didn't get until many years into my career. And I hope that people know that they have a safe space in me for whatever emotions they're feeling too. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's such a huge part of it. But I also feel you almost have to have the own structures of a museum to be able to do that for people. So boundaries. You have to have boundaries. Because what I was going to add on was the biggest part of what I think I tend to bring to the table is empathy. There's like three different types of empaths and I'm blanking. I can just sense how people are feeling. And I'm sure there's lots of people that can do that too, but it's, it's consuming and it can be debilitating. So you have to kind of know, like, I feel like I can get on calls with my teams or peers and be able to just know because I'm typically always in tune with people. So that's just something I feel like I can bring to the table, but everyone has to work on empathy. And it's like, you're working with these people every single day. If you're taking a moment to be outside of yourself or outside of what you're working on and just like listen to your team or just like turn on the camera and see how they're feeling, then I feel you're more likely to see when something seems a little off. And again, I don't know that everyone can just do that, but I feel we can work towards just being better friends or museums for people so that I feel like you you get a, a better sense that something's like a little off and maybe they need a little help with something. But To that point, you also have to kind of know your own boundaries of how much you can take of that. So like, you know, Ashley, who's on our parenting episode, who I used to work with, is one of those where, you know, she was so stressed a lot of the time. And I feel like she thought she was pushing that on others. And I can't sit here and say that I didn't feel sometimes like I was taking that on. Like all of a sudden I'm as stressed as she is. And I'm like, I don't have kids. Like what? I'm not stressed. Like I'm just at work. So I feel it's a good combo of ensuring that you're in the right headspace to be that person for someone else, but also taking the moment for the self-care and realizing that maybe I can't be this right now. Let me figure out what I need and then I can and then I can be there. Right. What's the on a plane? You got to put the mask on yourself first. Well, I think just realizing it's not the stress Olympics. Just because someone has kids doesn't invalidate any stress you might be feeling. Amen. Yep. I mean, and, and I think, too, one of the biggest things that. I also am an empath. I'm an HSP, highly sensitive person. I learned that through therapy. It's such a gift to learn these things about yourself. It it really is like a great tool. But one of the things that has really helped is me understanding, you know, someone sees me at Target and, you know, they look at me sideways and I'm quick to just mentally make a negative note of that. I have no idea what kind of day that person has had. Mm -hmm. Someone cut you off on the belt line. It's the easy and lazy thing to do. It's just you know, yell a little bit in your car and move on. You have no clue what kind of day that person has had. I think that is a, it's a great metaphor for how to also manage with empathy. Yeah. So I um, struggle a lot. I actually just had somebody leave my team for a really great opportunity elsewhere, one that I could not give him at our workplace. So I'm super happy for him. I asked him, please send me feedback Mm -hmm. on the team process and myself Mm. and he was like my one critique of you is I feel like you could have pushed on me a little harder like I Mm. wish you would have been a little more open with your critical feedback sooner and it's something I have to work on because I can push people and have really high demands but I also was like talking about an experience that changed you my boss being so accepting of what I was going through was amazing. And I try and emulate that in the fact that you can be empathetic and manage folks 
and you can acknowledge what they're going through while still holding them accountable. Totally. totally. And yeah. so the other thing is like when you open yourself up and you're transparent, you allow the same people to be like, hey, I noticed you don't really like is something going on? Yes. And then if they if something is going on, then I can manage your workload better so I can support you. And I feel like that then folds back in dividends, right? I can be a pretty loyal person, but I'm going to go to the mat to fight and support my boss because she did such a big thing for me. And I feel like that with my team too. You just have to kind of balance it with not being overly empathetic and not bringing, you know, key growth points up. But It's such a push-pull. And I think one of the questions that I at first kind of struggled with because sometimes it, it, it does feel hard to ask for help or mm-hmm. kind of show what I used to perceive as weakness. But when my leader asks me, how can I best support you? Yes. That's such a powerful question yep. to really put me in the driver's seat and be like, well, how can, you know, how can she support me? And for her to also see, you know, Danielle's maybe going through a tough time right now. An example I'll give. I lost my grandma two years ago. She was in like 98 Lived a great life. She lived a wonderful life. She passed away in her sleep. It was the best thing that could have happened, like, you know, with that situation. I was was shocked. I was really shocked. It happened on a Friday. I live about five hours away from my family at home in Missouri. And I said to my boss, I was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know I just lost my grandma. I'm probably going to need a couple days off next Mm -hmm. week. And she was immediately sympathetic and was like, please just log off today. Like, please just log off. If you have any meetings or anything, like, please pass them on to anyone else who's able to do that. And then the next week, she goes, I'm extending our one-on-one to an hour, but I won't be there. Take that time to do a Peloton ride or take a nap, bake. Please just take that time for yourself. Just take care of yourself. And it really was, I think, through her and I having those vulnerable conversations and her then being able to maybe intuit some of those things about me with her empathy and that that lens that she brings and just me feeling more comfortable with showing that emotion to her you're not going to do your best work if if all these other things are going on so the more transparent you are the more you build on the it's ability a practice. it's it's faster yeah right it's yeah. yeah i think that's a great a great point so beautiful yeah i feel really lucky i feel really lucky well and and to any of our listeners if you don't have that i think now is the time to demand it. Yeah. Right. Easier said than done sometimes. But I think workplaces are getting much wiser to the fact that we all are humans. I had someone on my team say, my grandmother passed away and his family's in Africa. Oh, my gosh. And he was like, can I go back home? And I was like, please. Yeah. Can you go? Yeah. And the funeral was like weeks long. Right. But it was like, yes, go be with your family. Right. So I think you know, to everyone listening, if you do not feel this support, know that there are organizations that do provide this support and that it is very fair to bring up to HR or whatever channels you feel comfortable in or be the change yourself. Just start being transparent just with little stuff of, yeah, I have a therapy appointment. Like, I'm going to normalize this and I'm mm-hmm. not going to, I'm going to turn my camera on. And if you see that I'm tired, yeah, it's because I'm tired, Yeah, yep. you know, and that's not a big deal. And I would say, too, I let myself feel all of that in good ways and bad. I had a Teams message from a cross-functional partner I got a couple of weeks ago, and she sent me a very, very kind message about a piece of creative I had made. Mm. And this is someone I really admire, I really look up to. And she just sent a really nice message about it, and she didn't need to do it, but it it made my day. 
again, I was sitting in my cube at work alone and I was I was doing the little eye dab and I was like, Aww. wow, that was really nice of her it to matters. say. And, you know, in, in small ways, too, and in good ways, mm-hmm. it's OK to cry at work. Yeah, absolutely. It's OK to cry at work. It's the title of the episode. <laughs> I cry because I care. I cry, I cry because, because I, care, I care. And it's okay to cry at work. It's, it's okay, okay and, to cry at work. And, and, and it was so liberating in that moment to be like, yep, it's I'm I'm at my desk. I mean, also no one's really around. Yeah. But, yeah. And my back was but to still, where people yeah. were. Baby steps, baby steps. But I'm like, I don't need to like scurry off to the bathroom or like try to minimize the sound I'm making. It's okay to cry so at work. everybody next week, find a time to cry at work. <laughs> That's your homework. You don't need to book a conference room to go, like, have your cry. You no. don't need to go run out to your car and, no. and cry and then try to go back to work like nothing happened. Like, we're not robots. No, you are not and a robot. I would also encourage you not to continue to try to work if you are experiencing these emotions. And in that moment being like, oh, okay, like, the waterworks are happening, but I have this email that has to go out or, like, this one urgent thing. Literally nothing is that important. Nothing is that important. Take whatever time you need. Take a Step break. away. Physically walk away if you can do that. And collect yourself. Because I guarantee you, you're going to come back way better for it, for yourself, for the work, whatever you're working on, and for your teammates. Yeah. Agreed. Can I throw in one last thing? Yeah. I also think it's really important with the self-care and the boundaries to make time for yourself to pursue the things that you love. And Nicole, I think you said in a previous episode, things that bring you joy. Yes. And like what brings you joy. Make those boundaries for yourself outside of work. I, I heard someone else say, this is not an original thought, but it's funny and it's memorable. You don't call cows milk. They're cows. They make milk. You don't call a hmm. cow milk. I am not my job. That's I'm not really, my output. That's really fucking profound. Isn't that? It's kind of goofy. No, that's really That's great. really profound. <laughs> I'm not my work. I love my work. I find so much value in my work. But that's not who I am as a person. And I would just encourage anyone who's maybe struggling with those signs of burnout or feeling overwhelmed, just find what you love and light you up outside of work. That can look like baking. It can look like running. It can look like reading it can look like just sitting on your couch and watching netflix or like eight hours of curb your enthusiasm and Mm -hmm. cross-stitching like it literally doesn't matter just just find what you love because you're just you're not your work and i've said to so many friends at work and and it's a good reminder for myself your worth isn't based on your productivity and if you think it is that's a really quick way to to burn out fast you are not milk you're not milk you are not milk you are a human you are a human and at the end of the day Bring your whole ugly, messy, beautiful, exciting, charismatic, flawed, and human self to work. Because you are not a goddamn robot. You are a human being. Amen. I know. Guys. Let's just wear t-shirts that say that. I'm the not, vulnerability is so real. I'm not real. milk. I know. This is my therapy, P.S. I know we're not We're not any of us. I feel like it was my therapy. We're, we're definitely not. <laughs> but also, like... Fellow ladies can be therapy. Oh, yeah. Like community and everything. You need to normalize it. And I feel like if anyone could be an influencer for one thing, like I want to be a therapy influencer. Like, do it. Let's do it. It starts. Everyone needs it. It starts now. 
thank you for being with us, Danielle. Thanks this was so me. wonderful. Thanks this for was amazing. Me. I feel like Brene Brown would be proud. I think she would be so <laughs> fucking proud me? of you. I can't hold a candle to Brene Brown. Oh, incredible. She's also and a fellow Texan, so I love oh, her. It, oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Shout out to Brene Brown and all of the amazing things you create. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for joining us on This Could Have Been an Email, the podcast. Can't wait to chat next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Have a lovely week.